Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Piedmont Triad Podcast. Before I get too old, I'm on to head down to Muscle Shoals. Baby, you can meet me at station. Welcome to the Piedmont Triad Podcast, where we focus on the flavorful culture of the Piedmont Triad area. I'm your host, David Locklear. And for the next four episodes, we are going to be focusing on some of the bands and actors who are going to be appearing at the very first Carolina Chainsaw Massacre, which is going on next weekend, June 3rd and 4th, at Breaktime Billiards on Jonestown Road in Winston-Salem, and at Arizona Pete's in Greensboro. And today, we are talking to Ari Lehman. He is the first person to ever play Jason Voorhees in the Friday the 13th film series. He was actually the child that shows up at the very end of Friday the 13th Part 1 who pulls poor actress Adrienne King into the water for an amazing scare result that has resonated over generations. Ari talks to us today about his band, First Jason, going to be appearing at the Carolina Chainsaw Massacre on June 3rd and 4th at Breaktime Billiards on Jonestown Road in Winston-Salem, North Carolina on Friday, June the 3rd. And also on Saturday, June the 4th, at Arizona Pete's in Greensboro. Ari talks to us today about what it was like to be a child in the position of being a killer in Friday the 13th and all of his subsequent experiences with the Friday the 13th franchise and all of its producers, directors, and actors. He also talks to us about his experiences as a child actor who was given free reign in the famous scene at the end of Friday the 13th Part 1. Also with how happy he is that it seems to be bonding certain families such as mine over a love of horror and music such as heavy metal which seems very appropriate for a horror icon. Expected chunk out of your day, man. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <clears throat> well, listen, I just I want to go ahead and get it out of the way. I am so stoked that I am talking to the first Jason that scared the shit out of anybody in a Friday the Thirteenth movie. So thank you for talking to me. Oh, of course, man. No, that's that's my that's a, a, an honor and a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, thank you. When's the first time you saw Friday the Thirteenth? Oh, I was, the very first one, I think I was about, um, I think I was 13. I saw part seven before I saw part one. Oh, that's a good place to start with Kane Hodder. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. it was it was definitely, um, it wasn't as scary as I expected it to be. And then when I went back to the older ones, they were, they were far more um, frightening than, than part seven. Well, yeah. and, I, and I'm yeah. not bashing well, seven. I love seven. Mm. No, Bart Seven's great. That's John Beekler directing, and 
Um, I think especially the special effects are awesome. But I would agree with you. There's not um, a lot of it seems like uh, those special effects are very much um, the focus, if you will. And there's some amazing work there. Um, John Beagler, of course, was an effects master himself. So, um, you know, I got to work with Tom Savini, which was amazing. Uh, but, you know, Beekler, I think, um, honored Savini's legacy. And also, he also kind of tried to bring together, like, everything that had happened to Jason prior to Part 7, you know, yeah. and, and, and show that. And, 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 and to that effect, I think that um, he did that masterfully. But in essence, you know, <clears throat> when you're watching a movie, um, those kind of things could take you out of the the feeling like 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 you're having your you know like your life flash before your eyes because you're running from an insane maniac just throwing farm implements at you. You know, <laughs> like you know, you know, like like sometimes um, sometimes Hollywood gets a bit too. Uh, to involved in, in in its own legacy, if you will, and just and forgets that that sheer thrill factor. I mean, when you look at the first Friday the Thirteenth, it was it was shot in New Jersey on a very low budget, mm -hmm. and so there was a totally different approach to it. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it was much more of a, like I guess cinema commando. You know, just kind of fly on the fly. They were just filming this thing. Uh, not yeah. really knowing what they were doing, and I think that's part of its charm. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it has a certain kind of, like, haunted house aspect of, like, we're going to use the most basic tools to scare your pants off, you know? And mm -hmm. you could be in a haunted house and, and realize, you know, you're absolutely in no danger whatsoever, but you're shaking with fear, you know, because of... <laughs> You know, lighting and sound and, you know, misdirected, um, um, you know, visuals where your your eyes are being drawn to one area and then the scare comes out of another. I mean, these devices barely cost anything and they can be used, you know, effectively in film if, of course, you know, um, you're not ready for it. Mm -hmm. And uh that was the effectiveness of, of the, the scene that I was in. You know, nobody was ready for that. So on many levels, uh, that just had a scare factor, which just kind of went through the roof. And fans fans basically forgot that 95% of the movie was, was about other things entirely. And uh, they just kept saying, hey, bring back that, that Jason, mm -hmm. which I'm, I'm happy for. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, one of the things I was reading about your experience with being Jason in the first one was how you had to pretty much stay underwater on the side of the boat so that this lake could stay still. Now, was was that kind of a yeah, pain in the ass to I mean, do? I would was... imagine that's not a fun thing to, to sit through, uh, with imagining how a movie shoot goes. It couldn't have been a short uh, experience. No, it, it was a very brief experience, actually, because... Oh. And I experienced absolutely no discomfort, and quite to the contrary, I was having fun the entire time. <laughs> um, there's this um, story about uh, a different person in part four, 
which always gets confused with me, and I want to set this record straight every time I hear this repeated because that's absolutely inaccurate. Tom Savini and Sean Cunningham made it absolutely, totally fun for me, more than you could imagine. It was like we were playing a joke on, you know, Adrian in a way. But um, no, I I was only under the water for a brief amount of time, and meanwhile, I love swimming. And that was... (laughs) one of the first things that you know i was swimming you know uh, the whole time now the f- a lot of inaccuracies okay the first scene okay the drowning sequence mm-hmm. was going to be the only scene of jason Voorhees in all of cinematic history because that was it uh there was no final sequence in the original script uh, written by victor miller and That movie was wrapped in August of 1979 and submitted um, to Paramount without that ending, the famous ending where, you know, Jason comes up out of the water and grabs Alice. It was just the end of the movie was the battle at the beach and the mom is killed and the police show up and that's the end of the movie. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Paramount Pictures rejected that ending. There would never have been a Friday the 13th. So now in October, that was wrapped in August, in October of 1979. See, I had gone home thinking, boy, I'm a little boy in a movie that drowns, you know, this (laughs) kind of sucks. And, you know, I'm dead, you know, which kind of sucks. I went home, see, (laughs) you know, Sean Cunningham calls me up and he says, now it's October. And he says, hey, we need you to come back to the set. And I'm like, I'm dead. You know, how can I come back to the set, man? You killed me. You know, I was a little boy. You know, I was almost resentful. But he was very smart. He said, you get your revenge. Okay. But see, that was only half true. It's a very complicated story. So in my mind, I was, wow, I got my revenge. Okay. You know. Of course, he didn't even say, your character gets his revenge. (laughs) But I literally took a bus again all the way from Connecticut to New Jersey to shoot this. And, you know, um, um, the way that it was done, they handed me this script and it says, Alice's Dream. Hmm. And I was like, I was furious. I, I, I... You know, he told me I get my revenge. And, you know, of course, I had to kind of keep it to myself. But I expressed that, no, <laughs> Jason comes back to life. He's 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 reincarnated. Now, in my mind, that made perfect sense because I read, you know, Swamp Thing and I read all these comic books back then. I read, you know, X-Men and, you know, I don't know, Creature from the Black Lagoon. You know, oh, yeah. it just seemed absolutely no problem the blood from the mom's decapitation goes into the lake suddenly she can call him from the afterlife etc etc he's somehow reanimated of course so but john cunningham and tom savini said now ari you know people can't come back to life after being at the bottom of a lake for 11 (laughs) years and that's why you look like this with all this you know with all this muck all over you but no, in my mind, I said, no, you know, I said, you know, bitch killed my mom. <laughs> I'm coming for revenge. So Tom Savini very wisely 
took me aside and he said, all right, listen, as an actor, you can have whatever backstory you want to have to get the, the right effect on screen. So if that's what you think, he, he said it this way, literally, he said, if you were a ghost in a dream, well, then you would have the conviction that you were a ghost, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You wouldn't know you were in a dream. And I said, fine, you want to think of it that way? That's fine. In my opinion, this is what's happened. That's fine. So I, and it gets even better because Sean Cunningham put an enormous amount of trust in me. Mm-hmm. And that may have led to this whole thing. <laughs> because because remember it was low budget so he had the makeup and the makeup wasn't going to last underwater you see that's why I wasn't underwater <laughs> people always ask you underwater there's no way you can't have prosthetics underwater for only a few moments they'll, they'll come off you know so with the Lucky Land Slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, it had to be done quickly. But see, the thing is, he wanted to maximize the scare factor. And he did it brilliantly by kind of playing with the situation in a genius way. He said "He said to me, he, the cameras were rolling, okay? Mm-hmm. But Adrian King didn't know that. In the boat, as Alice Hardy, and Tom Savini, who was supposed to tip over the boat also, they were prepared for that. They were prepared to hear the word action. Yeah. But Cunningham says to me, Ari, the cameras are rolling. I want you to go out of the water. And since you're going to be underwater, you won't be able to hear me say action. So as soon as the bubble's clear, that's action. And he even said, you're the director on this take, Ari. <laughs> and I was like, wow. So, so... You know, a little kid, I'm like, I'm the director, I'm the director. He was very <laughs> smart in doing this. So I went out of the water. I had to face away from Adrian, so she had never seen this mask at all. <laughs> so she's just sitting there, the, the poor gear, she's just sitting there in the boat. And I know that the cameras are rolling, okay? Yeah. So I go secretly out there, and the, see now, if you look at the take... They've sandwiched the first take between the second take. Okay. So it goes, okay. So the first take was, if you look, it's kind of like you could see the whole lake, and then all of a sudden you see this close-up. And in that close-up is the first take, which goes just up to the point where poor Adrian screams, and then they, they, you know, spliced it, you know, old-fashioned way, you know, with a razor blade. But... So what happened was this, I thought in my mind, you know, okay, I'm going to, am I going to come out kind of gently or am I going to come out, you know, with, with vengeance? And I thought to myself, no, no, I'm coming out, you know, this is a horror movie. At least I'm going to try it this way. So I just come out of the water 
and I grab the side of the boat and famously I'm flying through the air with my arm and I see that poor Adrian has no idea what's going on. <laughs> and and here's this nice lady I've never really met and I'm going to slam my arm into her and turn off whammo and she grabs my arm and she goes, get the fuck off of me. She, <laughs> she has no idea what's going on. But just before that, her face famously turns to this really look of horror i don't know if it was horror like are they really gonna make me do this or or whatever but yeah yeah so they 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 splice it there so that was achieved she had never seen the mask she was truly shocked um (laughs) and that's so sad knowing how nice adrian is in real life it's even funnier that you're a little kid just scaring the living shit out of this poor woman (laughs) Yes, and I've often felt bad about it. I, I don't know if she's ever really forgiven me because, and we are friends, and she is a very nice person and an artist, and she's a really sweet, kind of gentle soul, in fact. <laughs> you know, and she lives in the woods, and she's a wonderful person, and she's a very capable swimmer and a very capable canoeer, by the way. Um, probably better than me. I mean, yes, I live in Chicago. How often do I use a canoe? But. Um, <laughs> So then the second take, okay, they said, okay, the second take, just kind of do the same thing, but just go through it a little slower. So you get that, so you get that long shot. And that's the one where famously, of course, Tom tips the canoe. And, you know, you can see Adrian bravely going backwards into the water, mm-hmm. which is, you know, pretty, you know, you got to have some, you know, that's not the easiest thing to do. So, right. uh, you know, she, she, and also to her credit, she, um, she made it look like she had no idea I was there on the second take, which must have been enormously hard. <laughs> because it's like you're waiting for your little brother to come around the side of the bookcase and say, boo, you know. So, so really, we had a, a lot of fun. Now, of course, after the first take, there's a famous picture where you see me adjusting my my teeth and oh, yeah. Sarah Falls teeth and Adrian's looking like oh disgusted and that's where Sean is, is giving me a little lecture he's like okay this time Ari I don't want you to actually attack Adrian you know and everyone <laughs> laughed but then later on he said to me you know he was like oh good job good job bro you know he, <laughs> you know he didn't want her to think that he had set it up like that but he achieved what he needed to achieve and then you know it's fine <laughs> blame blame little Ari but you know it, it, it wasn't like you know there was the main thing of course was getting the shot and right everybody's everybody um was most concerned with getting the shot and see at one point I thought oh dear that first take I I you know I just I, I was I was too violent right mm-hmm. until of course i saw it in the movie <laughs> and then i felt vindicated i said see oh they used it oh gosh <laughs> like i didn't know until that moment if i wasn't just a disturbed child who came up with this idea <laughs> himself <laughs> but see sean knew what i would do and he was brilliant um at his the whole he, he's great at working with kids a lot of the movies he does have kids and uh, he's very good at getting those those responses out of kids usually a little more sensitive or humorous but you know right yeah well usually his films are also a a little more lighthearted than 
Friday the 13th is. <laughs> yes, and even at the outset, you know, he, um, although he, it's a fine film in the horror genre, but yeah, he, he um, tends to be, uh, his heart is maybe in a different place. I mean, I think if you look, for example, at John Carpenter and what has happened with John Carpenter recently, which I think is fantastic. You're, this director shows great integrity. Mm-hmm. And he also shows how much he loves his fans and he loves what he's doing. And I've met him and, you know, they're kind of similar people, but John Carpenter is more of a, of a rocker, you know, mm-hmm. he's a rock and roll guy. He really is. He's very fun and laid back and likes to make jokes. And, 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 and he saw my band first, Jason, and he told me all these good things about, he was so into it and and then he even he did a rock project you remember he did a music project yeah yeah because he released a couple of albums and his son and him and they did a band and i thought that was so much fun and you see him up there on stage rocking out but more to the point um he had the integrity and insight to say hey let's set the record straight about halloween and um Wow, just I think that shows so much. I don't know if that's, you know, Sean is of a different nature, so who knows? It would be great to see something like that happen. But on the topic of Halloween, I think it was beautiful with Jamie Lee Curtis, and they bring it all together. I'm like, let's set the record straight and do it the way we'd really like to see it. And uh, I think that speaks volumes for that whole team. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, and to go back to you know some of what you were talking about with the uh, the earlier Friday the Thirteenth stuff, I'm more than anything what I gleaned from your story is I love the idea that there are three or four different Friday the Thirteenth canons going on in your head and the director's head and the writer's head <laughs> <laughs> as to yeah. what this timeline is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, sure, I think. Um that kind of ambiguity lends itself to um, kind of a successful response from the fans, in my opinion. If things are too defined, you know, like for instance, let's look at Hellraiser, okay? Oh, yeah. Hellraiser, arguably my favorite of the so-called slasher series and holds up repeated at least definitely the first three but um inexplicable totally ambiguous how does this guy come out of the floorboards where some blood dropped (laughs) yeah and then he spends like the rest of the movie needing like bodies full of blood when it was like three (laughs) drops like two-thirds reanimated him (laughs) a good point a good point it makes no sense it only makes sense in the any kind of philosophical way and we're thinking about sin and retribution and guilt and this and also about vampire stories and a million other things but it, it all works mm-hmm. somehow and and I think that's fantastic and there's no you can't really really explain everything and you know um, I had a great conversation with Doug Bradley about that because Doug you know I told him how much of a fan of, of Hellraiser I am and he said you know, he, he he didn't really feel the same way about Friday the 13th. He said, look, he said in your movie, you see, you play this this cadaverous figure that just comes up and he's gone. And and in, in, in Hellraiser, this cadaverous figure comes up and he asks you for a cigarette. And then he asks you for dinner. And then he asks you for a date. 
<laughs> you know, which is kind of in itself, you know, again, so amazing. But that's, there you go with uh, Clive Barker and his, his amazing mind. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you look at the atmosphere and the genre and the things that were going on in the genre around the time that all the other Friday the 13th came out. You know, I, I, I think that, um, you know, Friday the 13th has, has, has maintained a path and really, made, you know, kept true to its fans and kept true to this storyline, which resonates with people in a different way. You know, it's a more simple kind of storyline. It has to do with family. It has to do with nature. It has to do with other kind of unexplained things, you know, uh, the relationship between Jason and his mom and the whole thing about sexual frustration, which seems to be a, a part of it. Mm-hmm. But I think that um, the topics dealt with are very common, if you if you will. I don't mean that in a in a in any sort of a, a lesser way, you know, because you mm-hmm. know they're more universal let's say than than some of that sort of sophistication and if we look at the movies of the 70s where they were dealing with oh my gosh and um, rosemary's baby and 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 and, uh, carrie and the exorcist and wow you know um i think that people love that kind of getting away from all of that heaviness you know maybe jaws was the real one that kind of changed changed it and reminded us how much we love a monster and yeah. a monster movie which i think friday the 13th really is ultimately yeah that's interesting i've never thought about it like that but yeah it's like the 70s is the horror in the 70s is so much of a like a reflection of like the hippie hangover and you <clears> know <throat> it's like the complete inverse of what the 60s were and you might be with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no you want to something there the idea that all those movies are really just grim and dark and angry and brutal and then you got jaws where it's like okay we've got a simple <laughs> monster yeah you know fuck that up <laughs> that's and all taking, we need <laughs> and again taking um a safe bucolic fun place like the beach you know which is usually so much fun and making it into a absolutely terrifying place you know just a different approach um you know, trying new ideas. I think that, uh, the, you know, I, I don't want to say that 
anything like The Exorcist isn't a great film because it is a great film, mm-hmm. but it depends on what you're in the mood for. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Are you ready to go home and really think about that? And I even remember when I was a little boy, um, and I grew up in Westport, Connecticut, and that's where Linda Blair is from. Yeah. So, yes. And, uh, of course, there was so much talk about The Exorcist. Oh, my gosh. And I just thought, you know, it, it just basically, are people having fun with that? Is that fun? Is that the reason they're going to that movie? <laughs> so, it's like when you're in the mood to, for the opposite of fun, that's the kind of stuff you go I to. Yes. Well, you know, it's like, you know, there's so many different sides of fun, if you will. And, like, you see that at a rock show. You see that at a horror con. Some people are there to rock out. Some people are there for cosplaying. Some people are there to get scared and see something mortifying. Some people are there to meet people and some people just want to shop. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) everybody has fun in a different way. Yeah. Well, you know, talking about horror cons, you know, your, your band first Jason is showing up at the Carolina chainsaw massacre on, uh, June 3rd and 4th. So, you know, uh, I've, I've been listening to your catalog for the last couple of weeks and, uh, you know, your, your band is going on for You're hitting about a 15 year mark, aren't you? Yeah, man. Yes, indeed. We've been at it for about 15 years and, uh, I'm so happy to say that, you know, even our, just our last tour is the best ever. Uh, we've just been going from strength to strength. I mean, first Jason, yes, does perform in small rock clubs. Um, you know, two to 300. That's where we find our, our home. Um, but, you know, since the, meet and greet experience is such an integral part of first Jason mm-hmm. that works perfectly because I can actually meet and greet just about everybody in the audience. <laughs> and if I was doing arena shows, you know, which we'd love to do those bigger shows, of course, and we'll get to that. And we, there's one coming up, but, uh, you know, you can't possibly meet 2000 people in a night. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they do those VIP experiences, of course. And uh, but I love the fact that I can literally hang out with everybody, the staff, just the people. We make friends, we make family. I mean, we just did we did a a run to the Midwest. It was seven cities. We did a five city run to New England, and then we just did a five city run down to Florida, which ended at Spookala, <laughs> where okay in Ocala, Corey Taylor from Slipknot was there. And of course the great band ice nine kills was there. Right. So <clears throat> ice nine kills. I sang on one of their songs. Spencer Charnas sang on one of mine. So we did the Friday night show, which was absolutely packed. And then they did the Saturday night show in which they had over capacity for the club. And, uh, you know, things are just really popping. So, there's more good stuff coming down the line with Ice Nine Kills. But that's on that whole new metal tip. What mm-hmm. I really appreciate is that the Carolina Chainsaw Massacre gave us the opportunity to share the stage with these giants like Nuclear Assault, Demolition mm-hmm. Hammer, Incantation. We're really, really stoked to be there for that. And all of us love 
uh, speed metal and death metal. Uh, we listen to that in the van pretty much all the time. And, uh, you know, all of those bands are among our favorites, especially our, um, our drummer, uh, Fabian, he loves that music and, uh, mm-hmm. he's super stoked and, you know, we're all, we're all excited to be a part of that festival. Yeah, it's it's so cool because uh, like this particular area, it's kind of peripheral to a lot of other places where bands go, like Raleigh and Charlotte and whatnot. And so when we get something as as close to us, where I, I live in uh, Louisville, which is like about thirty minutes away from Greensboro, to get anything like this as underground as this is, it I, I couldn't possibly do enough to support this kind of a thing to make sure it continues to come here because I, I loved that music when I was a kid, like Nuclear Assault. I can't believe that this is their second to last show of all time. And, I, you know, it it would take the world ending for me to miss it because I'm not going to miss that because it's amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, that in itself is fantastic. And I think that events like this really thrive in that atmosphere you know, sometimes in the bigger cities, um, DJs, electronica, you know, other kinds of trends are are more prevalent. But mm-hmm. if you go out into the into the, the hinterlands, you know, as we do, you know, first Jason, literally, if you look at the towns where we play, very often we're, you know, sure we we do play bigger towns, but we'll spend most of the week playing, you know, out in the middle of nowhere where we're traveling through Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, oh, Nebraska, uh, uh, Oklahoma, you know, uh, all over Texas, you know, wherever we are. And we love it when we're like a place like Greensboro, um, you know, there's a lot of Jason Voorhees fans out there. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. You know what I'm saying? There's going to be more Jason fans out there. Except for, you know, then in the city in general, yeah. you know, except for, uh, you know, I have some some gang friends who are really into <laughs> Jason, but that's a different thing. <laughs> but Greensboro, we're really excited to be there, and uh, it seems like um, a great time of year to be there. And, uh, you know, we were just down, where were we? We were, we were coming up through uh, from Florida, so we had also played in, we played Knock, Nashville, for the first time ever, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Knoxville, Chattanooga, which was huge for us. Uh, Atlanta, which was amazing. And, you know, we just, but we do tend to go through and find things like, where do we go on the way back? It was beautiful weather. So we stopped at a, at a big farmer's market and we picked up some peaches in Georgia. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. And then, and then uh, some pecans. Oh, I have like, so many pecans. My wife is figuring out different what recipes with pecans here. But uh, so I got to figure out what are we going to get in North Carolina? I mean, when we get up there, what is what is the food specialties there? Well, we'll oh, we'll I would the say and- the barbecue. <laughs> yeah, you got to hit the barbecue. <laughs> well, my band will gobble the barbecue up on mass. I will. I will so go ahead and warn everything. you, and I will say. I don't know if they're going to get pissed at me. It's entirely possible. There's a place nearby. They're called Stamey's Barbecue that's near the club that your guys are going to be going to. Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. Yeah. Leave that one out. When we get there, 
We'll make sure we get some some good barbecue. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. It's 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 a lot of. I mean, I hope you like vinegar because if you don't like vinegar, you're going to be in a bad place because that's pretty much our barbecue. (laughs) I love vinegar. What do you mean? Okay. I eat apple cider vinegar. Oh yeah, yeah. There you go. You, you, you'll be in good hands then. So that's very healthy barbecue. You see, that's better than yeah. all that sugary sauce. Yeah, exactly. We remove the sugar. Now we don't remove the fat, but we remove the sugar. You know. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Now we love we love uh, visiting all those little places, man. That's where you really. You get the flavor of, of where you are. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, quite frankly, the appreciation, like you're saying, oh, the people, okay, we don't always get this out here. Well, that's what we love. You know, we love to be in those places. Uh, we've we've got places like Warren, Pennsylvania. It's this little town in, in western Pennsylvania. We've been there so many times. First we start up, they, they, they reached out to us, oh, we see you're coming through on, on a Monday, Tuesday, you know, because they have a days in there. They let us, they give us hotel rooms. They, mm. So we'll get like 100, 200 people in their ballroom. So now we're in there on a Friday or Saturday after years, you know, and the kids recognize me now. And, you know, it's we we know these people. We're literally kind of mentoring some of these kids. You know, it just, mm-hmm. it's an amazing it's just an amazing experience. So I don't know if we'd be able to have that intimacy if we were, you know. Yeah, like if you're in a large dance. arena kind of a thing. Yeah, you know. But th- that said, the music we're doing, too, the music has just been getting better and better and better. I'm really proud of this song, The Price of Peace. So people mm-hmm. should check that out. That's kind of shows a new, I don't know, heavier direction. And then the mm-hmm. song, The Scapegoat, we're about to do a new video for. We've got a team in Scranton uh, called Camp Rattler, and they're amazing. They're going to do this, The Scapegoat, which has that Hammond organ, and so it's got a kind of a, kind of, you know, a spiritual, philosophical theme. So that's being shot in this old, abandoned church which is now uh, a rock club um so that's gonna be a blast and we're gonna have a lot of friends there Mm -hmm. um and then so i figured i had kind of gone way out there philosophically i couldn't go any further so the new song that i wrote the newest song which i've got the demo done for and all the band is very excited about and we're gonna be playing we're gonna actually we are gonna be debuting this song for the first time ever on the stage at Carolina Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. This song, the lyrics come directly from the words of Mama Voorhees, of Pamela Voorhees. And so, yeah, I just took some of her words, you know. Um, So it's called, Look What You Did. (laughs) Look what you did. Look what you did to him. You let him drown. You know, so yeah, the whole song is just words from Pamela Voorhees. So I can't, I can't wait to sing it. Really, <laughs> you never paid any attention. You never paid. It's like this is gonna be really good. Oh, that's so funny. I love that because I mean, I yeah. When you were talking about scapegoat, I was gonna say I loved the uh, the organ on scapegoat. I mean, I love, I, I do like the price of peace, but it's like. 
listening to your whole catalog, this newer stuff is is really solid, and I really feel like that the heaviness and the organ really adds to that because, um, like you had. Um, to be a monster and uh, heed my warning. Those were a lot mellower than the other <clears throat> stuff. And then you know when you hit Lord of the Lake, it got a lot heavier. And then these last two singles yeah. in 2020 were really good. And I really, I, I'm a sucker for a good organ because that always adds like a gothic vibe to it. Oh man, yeah. Well, on that on that level, of course, you know I love John Lord, Deep Purple. You know. Um, mm-hmm. And all these great Oregon players, you know, Keith Emerson, and I've always been big, you know, Rick Wake, and even jazz organists like Jimmy Smith, uh, all of that. Um, so when I wrote The Scapegoat, it just, that song, it's got that kind of sound. So I wanted to get that. And fortunately, we work at, out of this amazing recording studio here in Chicago. It's called Uptown Recording. And Rob Ruccia, he uh, has a, a Hammond B3 there with a Leslie, and he knows how to operate it. It's not just sitting there gathering dust. He uses it quite often um, because there's jazz and all kinds of music that goes through there uh, because of Chicago. So even blues artists and all kinds of stuff. Um, so as soon as I, I said, man, you know, what should we do? And he said, man, I've already got it mic'd up. You know, we're not going to use some organ patch for that you know we're mm-hmm. using the, the organ and so we tested you know how to get the leslie to speed up and slow down and the whole thing and i'll tell you man i could have gone for hours it was just so much fun <laughs> you know when you when you look at the depth of that instrument with the, the draw bars it it's like a hundred instruments it can do so many things it's similar to playing a grand piano you can it's just you could devote your whole life to that mm-hmm. one instrument yeah, but, yeah, but, because it's amazing. But I love wailing through the metal zone pedal on my Roland synth axe keytar that looks like a <laughs> a weapon because that is just the greatest feeling, you know. I, I got to admit. I mean, and it'd be hard to carry an organ around, but that <laughs> thing I can just and the sounds we're getting through the um, the synth axe keytar now is just something else, you know. Um, it's because uh, I'm I'm using the same distortion pedal that X Hoarder uses, the same one that Dimebag used. Right. You know, I re- I researched that. I, I listened to guitar sounds, and I said I want to sound like that. And so, you know, but also I'm using the um, the Sansamp, the Tech Twenty One NYC Sansamp, which is amazing. So, and I'm sure a lot of players out there know what I'm talking about. Well, I was going to say my my, <laughs> my my friend uh, Buddha. He's a, a big uh, guitar tech nerd. He, yeah, he's the he's the gearhead. He knows his shit when it comes to that. I'm going well, to trust player, that you're telling me the truth. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie Machete is our guitar player, and uh, we're super proud of him. Um, Eddie Machete, you know he. Mm-hmm. Uh, his setup is amazing because he tends to play with a cleaner sound, okay? He plays with more of that, like, I guess you'd say progressive sound, you know? Yeah. I mean, he uses some distortion, but uh, I don't know what he's got in his bag of tricks, but he can go direct, and he studies with uh, the great Joe Satriani, that guitar player, yeah. Joe Satriani. 
um, who just released a record, uh, which is amazing. So, uh, so Eddie's sound comes out of that whole place, and uh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So it kind of meets together somewhere, you know. It's like he's he's a shredder, but tends to be on the cleaner side. And then I'm playing a guitar with distortion, so go figure. <laughs> well, you know, I feel like we're long due for a, a guitar renaissance, and I think if there's one way to do it, this is the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm the evil wizard of guitar. Exactly. <laughs> there needs to be a renaissance, and I'll be the evil wizard. They'll be like the king. There is a guy who's king of guitar. Oh, I forgot his name. I wish I could remember it, but he's he's amazing. And we have saluted each other <laughs> across the interwebs many times. But he, he deemed me the evil wizard of Cape Town. I take it. I take it. <laughs> well, I, that's a hell of a title to have because that will never, at this point, it will never go out of style. That will make you a badass forever. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I'm like Sauron of the Kitar. <laughs> Well, brother, uh, I, I've kept you on uh, longer than I probably should have, so I'm going I'm to let you go. But um, but before we go, uh, let people know where they can find uh, First Jason's music and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Just check us out, firstjason.com. Come visit us on Instagram at firstjason13, on Facebook, firstjasonofficial. Um, now, if you get to the Carolina chainsaw massacre and you mentioned this broadcast to me okay what i want you to say is kill for mother you say <laughs> kill for mother and i'm gonna give you a free something at the merch table okay <laughs> so make sure you do that god bless you brother <laughs> god bless you back man this is a great interview man never i appreciate never it dies I I do. This was it was really an honor to talk to you. Uh, my daughters they're they're big Friday the Thirteenth fans because of me, so they're coming out with me, and they're fifteen that's and eleven, fantastic. so they're all pumped how about it. How old are they? Four or fifteen and eleven. I love it. You know, it's a phenomenon. The bonding that's going on now between parents and kids over Jason, I love it. It's the best. And yeah, get ready to hear that new song. Look what you did, and then we'll talk about that after the show. Hell yeah, man. I'll, I, I, and I promise I'll, I'll be wearing a little brown cowboy hat, and so I'll come and bug the shit out of you, and hopefully I won't be too drunk by the time I bump into you. <laughs> <laughs> no, any, any stage of inebriation is welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so cool, man. Well, thank you, Ari, man. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to meeting you uh, when we come out to the uh, Carolina Chainsaw Massacre, and I uh, hope you guys uh, you know, have a great tour. Awesome, man. I'll see you there. Thank looking you so much, brother. It. Take care. It never dies. <laughs>
So that's going to do it for this episode of the Piedmont Triad Podcast. And the song you just heard was Kill for Mother by Ari's band First Jason. I hope that wasn't too surprising of a transition as to what you're normally accustomed to on the end of the podcast. Watch out in the next couple of days for another episode focusing on the musicians and vendors of the Carolina Chainsaw Massacre Festival that is coming on June 3rd and 4th in Winston-Salem and Greensboro. Our next episode will focus on the vocalist for one of the appearing bands at the Carolina Chainsaw Massacre. Paul Ray of the local band False Prophet will be talking to us about his appearance at the festival and also his ideas about religion and being raised in the South with a sort of contrarian point of view when it comes to traditional Southern values. So until then, take care, Piedmont Triad area. She keep on moving. You like the devil when the sun goes down. Stay away from me. Well, I'm too far gone. There ain't nothing here.